Chapter 6 of Why is the Negro Lynched? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jean Pease. Why is the Negro Lynched? By Frederick Douglass. Chapter 6 Delusive Colonization Schemes But I now come to another proposition held up as a solution of the race problem, and this I consider equally unworthy with the one just disposed of. The two belong to the same low-bred family of ideas. It is the proposition to colonize the colored people of America in Africa or somewhere else. Happily, this scheme will be defeated both by its impolicy and its impracticability, it is all nonsense to talk about the removal of eight millions of the American people from their homes in America to Africa, the expense and hardships to say nothing of the cruelty attending such a matter would make success impossible. The American people are wicked, but they are not fools. They will hardly be disposed to incur the expense to say nothing of injustice which this measure demands. Nevertheless, this colonizing scheme, unworthy as it is of American statesmanship and American honor, and though full of mischief to the colored people, seems to have a strong hold on the public mind, and at times has shown much life and vigor. The bad thing about it is that it has of late, owing to persecution, begun to be advocated by colored men of acknowledged ability and learning, and every little while some white statesman becomes its advocate those gentlemen will doubtless have their opinion of me i certainly have mine of them my opinion is that if they are sensible they are insincere and if they are sincere they are not sensible they know or they ought to know that it would take more money than the cost of the late war to transport even one-half of the colored people of the united states to africa whether intentionally or not they are as i think simply trifling with an afflicted people they urge them to look for relief where they ought to know that relief is impossible the only excuse they can make for the measure is that there is no hope for the negro here and that the colored people in america owe something to africa this last sentimental idea makes colonization very fascinating to the dreamers of both colors but there is really no foundation for it they tell us that we owe something to our native land this sounds well but when the fact is brought to view which should never be forgotten that a man can only have one native land and that is the land in which he is born the bottom falls entirely out of this sentimental argument africa according to her colonization advocates is by no means modest in her demands upon us she calls upon us to send her only our best men she does not want a riffraff but our best men but these are just the men who are valuable and who are wanted at home it is true that we have a few preachers and laymen with a missionary turn of mind whom we might easily spare some who would possibly do as much good by going there as by staying here by this is not the colonization idea its advocates want not only the best but millions of the best better still they want the united states government to vote the money to send them there they do not seem to see that if the government votes money to send the negro to africa that the government may employ means to complete the arrangement and compel us to go 
Now I hold that the American Negro owes no more to the Negroes in Africa than he owes to the Negroes in America. There are millions of needy people over there, but there are also millions of needy people over here as well, and the millions in America need intelligent men of their number to help them, as much as intelligent men are needed in Africa to help her people. Besides, we have a fight on our hands right here, a fight for the redemption of the whole race, and a blow struck successfully for the Negro in America is a blow struck for the Negro in Africa. For until the Negro is respected in America, he need not expect consideration elsewhere. All this native land talk, however, is nonsense. The native land of the American Negro is America, his bones, his muscles, his sinews are all American. His ancestors for 270 years have lived and labored and died on American soil, and millions of his posterity have inherited Caucasian blood. It is pertinent, therefore, to ask, in view of this admixture, as well as in view of other facts, where the people of this mixed race are to go, for their ancestors are white and black, and it will be difficult to find their native land anywhere outside of the United States. But the worst thing, perhaps, about this colonization nonsense is that it tends to throw over the Negro a mantle of despair. It leads him to doubt the possibility of his progress as an American citizen. It also encourages popular prejudice with the hope that by persecution or by persuasion the Negro can finally be dislodged and driven from his natural home, while in the nature of the case he must stay here and will stay here if for no other reason than because he cannot well get away. I object to the colonization scheme because it tends to weaken the Negro's hold on one country while it can give him no rational hope of another. Its tendency is to make him despondent and doubtful where he should feel assured and confident. It forces upon him the idea that he is forever doomed to be a stranger and a sojourner in the land of his birth and that he has no permanent abiding place. All this is hurtful, with such ideas constantly flaunted before him. He cannot easily set himself to work to better his condition in such ways as are open to him here. It sets him to groping everlastingly after the impossible. Every man who thinks at all must know that home is the fountainhead, the inspiration, the foundation and main support, not only of all social virtue, but of all motives to human progress, and that no people can prosper or amount to much unless they have a home or the hope of a home. A man who has not such an object, either in possession or in prospect, is a nobody and will never be anything else. To have a home, the Negro must have a country, and he is an enemy to the moral progress of the Negro, whether he knows it or not, who calls upon him to break up his home in this country for an uncertain home in Africa. But the agitation on this subject has a darker side still. It has already been given out that if we do not go of our own accord, we may be forced to go at the point of the bayonet. I cannot say that we shall not have to face this hardship, but badly as I think of the tendency of our times, I do not think that the American sentiment will ever reach a condition which will make the expulsion of the Negro from the United States by any such means possible. Yet, 
The way to make it possible is to predict it. There are people in the world who know how to bring their own prophecies to pass. The best way to get up a mob is to say there will be one, and this is what is being done. Colonization is no solution, but an evasion. It is not repentance, but putting the wronged ones out of our presence. It is not atonement, but banishment. It is not love, but hate. Its reiteration and agitation only serves to fan the flame of popular prejudice and to add insult to injury. The righteous judgment of mankind will say if the American people could endure the Negro's presence while a slave, they certainly can and ought to endure his presence as a free man. If they could tolerate him when he was a heathen, they might bear with him now that he is a Christian. If they could bear with him when ignorant and degraded, they should bear with him now that he is a gentleman and a scholar. But even the Southern whites have an interest in this question. Woe to the South when it no longer has the strong arm of the Negro to till its soil, and woe to the nation when it shall employ the sword to drive the Negro from his native land. Such a crime against justice, such a crime against gratitude, should it ever be attempted, would certainly bring a national punishment which would cause the earth to shudder. It would bring a stain upon the nation's honor like the blood on Lady Macbeth's hand. Waters of all the oceans would not suffice to wash out the infamy. But the nation will commit no such crime. But in regard to this point of our future, my mind is easy. We are here and are here to stay. It is well for us and well for the American people to rest up on this as final. Emancipation Crippled landlord and tenant another mode of impeaching the wisdom of emancipation and the one which seems to give special pleasure to our enemies is as they say that the condition of the colored people of the south has been made worse by emancipation the champions of this idea are the only men who glory in the good old times when the slaves were under the lash and were bought and sold in the market with horses sheep and swine it is another way of saying that slavery is better than freedom that darkness is better than light and that wrong is better than right that hell is better than heaven it is the american method of reasoning in all matters concerning the negro it inverts everything turns truth upside down and puts the case of the unfortunate negro inside out and wrong end foremost every time there is however nearly always some truth on their side of error and it is so in this case when these false reasoners assert that the condition of the emancipated slave is wretched and deplorable they partly tell the truth and i agree with them i even concur with them in the statement that the negro is physically in certain localities in a worse condition today than in the time of slavery but i part with these gentlemen when they ascribe this condition to emancipation to my mind the blame does not rest upon emancipation but the defeat of emancipation it is not the work of the spirit of liberty but the work of the spirit of bondage it comes of the determination of slavery to perpetuate itself if not under one form than under another it is due to the folly of endeavoring to put the new wine of liberty in the old bottles of slavery i concede the evil but deny the alleged cause
the landowners of the south want the labor of the negro on the hardest terms possible they once had it for nothing they now want it for next to nothing to accomplish this they have contrived three ways the first is to rent their land to the negro at an exorbitant price per annum and compel him to mortgage his crop in advance to pay this rent the laws under which this is done are entirely in the interest of the landlord he has a first claim upon everything produced on the land the negro can have nothing can keep nothing can sell nothing without the consent of the landlord as the negro is at the start poor and empty-handed he has had to draw on the landlord for meat and bread to feed himself and family while his crop is growing the landlord keeps books the negro does not hence no matter how hard he may work or how hard saving he may be he is in most cases brought in debt at the end of the year and once in debt he is fastened to the land as by hooks of steel if he attempts to leave he may be arrested under the order of the law another way which is still more effective is the practice of paying the laborer with orders on the store instead of lawful money by this means money is kept out of the hands of the negro and the negro is kept entirely in the hands of the landlord he cannot save money because he gets no money to save he cannot seek a better market for his labor because he has no money with which to pay his fare and because he is by that vicious order system already in debt and therefore already in bondage thus he is riveted to one place and is in some sense a slave for a man to whom it can be said you shall work for me for what i choose to pay you and how i shall choose to pay you is in fact a slave though he may be called a free man we denounce the landlord and tenant system of england but it can be said of england as cannot be said of our free country that by law no laborer can be paid for labor in any other than lawful money england holds any other payment to be a penal offence and punishable by fine and imprisonment the same should be the case in every state in the american union under the mortgage system no matter how industrious or economical the negro may be he finds himself at the end of the year in debt to the landlord and from year to year he toils on and is tempted to try again and again but seldom with any better result with this power over the negro this possession of his labor you may easily see why the south sometimes makes a display of its liberality and brags that it does not want slavery back it had the negro's labor heretofore for nothing and now it has it for next to nothing and at the same time is freed from the obligation to take care of the young and the aged the sick and the decrepit there is not much virtue in all this yet it is the ground of loud boasting attitude of white race towards negroes a national problem i now come to the so-called but miscalled negro problem as a characterization of the relations existing in the southern states i say at once i do not admit the justice or propriety of this formula as applied to the question before us words are things they are certainly such in this case since they give us a misnomer that is misleading and hence mischievous it is a formula of southern origin and has a strong bias against the negro 
It handicaps his cause with all the prejudice known to exist in anything to which he is a party. It has been accepted by the good people of the North, as I think, without proper thought and investigation. It is a crafty invention and is in every way worthy of its inventors. It springs out of a desire to throw off just responsibility and to evade the performance of disagreeable but manifest duty. Its natural effect and purpose is to divert attention from the true issue now before the American people. It does this by holding up and preoccupying the public mind with an issue entirely different from the real one in question, that which is really a great national problem and which ought to be so considered by the whole American people dwarfs into a Negro problem. The device is not new. It is an old trick. It has been oft repeated and with a similar purpose and effect. For truth, it gives us falsehood. For innocence, it gives us guilt. It removes the burden of proof from the old master class and imposes it upon the Negro. It puts upon the race a work which belongs to the nation. It belongs to that craftiness often displayed by disputants who aim to make the worse appear the better reason. It gives bad names to good things and good names to bad things. The Negro has often been the victim of this kind of low cunning. You may remember that during the late war, when the South fought for the perpetuity of slavery, it usually called the slaves domestic servants and slavery a domestic institution. Harmless names, indeed, but the things they stood for were far from harmless. The South has always known how to have a dog hanged by giving him a bad name. When it prefixed Negro to the national problem, it knew that the device would awaken and increase a deep-seated prejudice at once, and that it would repel fair and candid investigation. As it stands, it implies that the Negro is the cause of whatever trouble there is in the South. In old slave times, when a little white child lost his temper, he was given a little whip and told to go and whip Jim or Sal, and he thus regained his temper. The same is true today on a large scale. I repeat, and my contention is that this Negro problem formula lays the fault at the door of the Negro and removes it from the door of the white man, shields the guilty and blames the innocent, makes the Negro responsible when it should so make the nation. Now, what the real problem is, we all ought to know. It is not a Negro problem, but in every sense a great national problem. It involves the question whether after all our boasted civilization, our declaration of independence, our massless constitution, our sublime Christianity, our wise statement, we as people possess virtue enough to solve this problem in accordance with wisdom and justice and to the advantage of both races. The marvel is that this old trick of misnaming things, so often displayed by Southern politicians, should have worked so well for the bad cause in which it is now employed, for the American people have fallen in with the bad idea that this is a Negro problem, a question of the character of the Negro and not a question of the nation. It is still more surprising that the colored press of the country and some of our colored orators have made the same mistake and still insist upon calling it a Negro problem or a race problem, for by race they mean the Negro race. 
now there is nothing the matter with the negro whatever he is all right learned or ignorant he is all right he is neither a lyncher a mobocrat or an anarchist he is now what he has ever been a loyal law-abiding hard-working and peaceable man so much so that men have thought him cowardly and spiritless had he been a turbulent anarchist he might indeed have been a troublesome problem but he is not to his reproach it is sometimes said that any other people in the world would have invented some violent way in which to resent their wrongs if this problem depended upon the character and conduct of the negro there would be no problem to solve there would be no menace to the peace and good order of southern society he makes no unlawful fight between labor and capital that problem which often makes the american people thoughtful is not of his bringing though he may some day be compelled to talk of this tremendous problem in common with other laborers he has as little to do with the cause of the southern trouble as he has with its cure there is no reason therefore in the world why his name should be given to this problem it is false misleading and prejudicial and like all other falsehoods must eventually come to naught i well remember as others may remember that this same old falsehood was employed and used against the negro during the late war he was then charged and stigmatized with being the cause of the war on the principle that there would be no highway robbers if there were nobody on the road to be robbed but as absurd as this pretense was the color prejudice of the country was stimulated by it and joined in the accusation and the negro had to bear the brunt of it even at the north he was hated and hunted on account of it in the great city of new york his houses were burned his children were hunted down like wild beasts and his people were murdered in the streets all because they were the cause of the war even the good and noble mr lincoln one of the best and most clear-sighted men that ever lived once told a committee of negroes who waited upon him at washington that they were the cause of the war many were the men who in their wrath and hate accepted this theory and wished the negro in africa or in a hotter climate as some do now there is nothing to which prejudice is not equal in the way of perverting the truth and inflaming the passions of men but call this problem what you may or will the all-important question is how can it be solved how can the peace and tranquillity of the south and the country he secured be established there is nothing occult or mysterious about the answer to this question some things are to be kept in the mind when dealing with this subject and should never be forgotten it should be remembered that in the order of divine providence the man who puts one end of a chain around the ankle of his fellow man will find the other end around his own neck and it is the same with the nation confirmation of this truth is as strong as proofs of holy writ as we sow we shall reap is a lesson that will be learned here as elsewhere we tolerated slavery and it has cost us a million graves and it may be that lawless murder now raging if permitted to go on may yet bring the red hand of vengeance not only on the reverend head of age and upon the heads of helpless women but upon even the innocent babes in the cradle End of chapter 6